everyone. Welcome back to Fearless as Fuck, the podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lauren. Today, we have a good friend of mine on the podcast today. Her name's Miranda Moon. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be on finally. We've yeah. talked about this for months now. I know, and I haven't <laughs> seen you for months, so this is great. Um, Miranda, for those of you who don't know, is also a holistic health coach, business owner, veteran, and wellness competitor. So her and I have a lot of things in common, minus the fact that you're a veteran, which is mm-hmm. really amazing. Um, mm-hmm. You and I met, actually, through a friend's company working on set together mm-hmm. for Call of Duty, which was really freaking random and awesome. I know, and I was the chef, believe it or not. Yeah. I was not modeling during this. <laughs> (laughs) which is crazy. So I have a lot of fun doing that. I kind of miss that job and seeing you guys on the set, but it's nice being back and just kind of focusing on things that um, I really enjoy doing. Like Mm -hmm. the health coaching is something that's super uh, satisfying to me, Um, especially the uh, detox programs that I do. That is the, when people tell me that they've just gotten over their anxiety, their depression through just diet and nutrition and supplementation, it's just... Nothing makes me feel more fulfilled and satisfied with what I'm doing in life. It makes me feel super purposeful. I feel like that's when you know you're on your right purpose, too, when Mm -hmm. you're diving into things that literally light you up and you can serve and help others. And then the fact that you're doing that makes you that excited about what you're doing. I feel like that says a lot about you being in alignment with like your true purpose. You know what I mean? Exactly. I've been on a journey back to finding my purpose for a little while now and getting back into the coaching space has like lit my soul on fire. So I'm so excited to share that with you and also hear more about that. Um, But I also want you to kind of like tell me your story because I know you and I have talked a little bit. Obviously, the audience who's listening has no idea, but you and I have a lot of uh, things in common from the way we grew up to um, some traumatic things that we both share in common that I know you and I can say have shaped us in certain ways. And I would love to hear a little bit about that. So um, maybe start from the beginning. You know, don't have to start from like the womb or anything, but like (laughs) where your journey started. Way back when I was a new moon. (laughs) 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 And now I'm full. Um, So I grew up in a really small farm town in Ohio, like Podunk, middle of nowhere. Whenever whenever anybody asks me where I'm from, I'm like, okay, it's like an hour and a half directly north of Columbus and then an hour south of Sandusky in this little town called Bloomville. And... I grew up in town like for the first 10 years of my life. Um, I always had a fun time, you know, as a as a little kid, even with all of the things that were going on. I just didn't quite understand how traumatic my childhood was until I was looking back in hindsight. Um, my mom had gotten uh, remarried a few times um, and the I wouldn't say her choices were always like that great. Um, But she did do what was best for us in those moments. But we were always struggling regardless. So I have an older sister, a younger sister, and then a younger half-brother too. So um, lived with my grandma for a little bit and then moved uh, to a farm when she got remarried. So that was traumatic in itself. (laughs) Um, Just like going from like growing up in town, being around my friends all the time to literally moving into the middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, not even a like a neighbor in a mile. Big culture shock. Big culture shock, yeah, Yeah. for sure. And then um, got into all of that, you know, having to like show cows at the fair and stuff like that. So it was definitely a big change for me. Um, But yeah, I just grew up really um, not well off. Like I remember going to the food pantry with my mom, that's what it was called. It was like basically like a 
welfare system where we had to go and get like the free food once a month or whatever. And um, I remember my mom dropping me off in this horrid minivan. It was the ugliest minivan <laughs> on the planet and it had horrible brakes. And I just remember like cringing at the thought of her dropping me off at school every day. So um, yeah, it was just like things like that. Just never really had um, a whole lot of positive experiences, but definitely tried to make the best out of it. Um, but I was definitely recognizing a lot of patterns with like the people that I was surrounded by in my environment. I just didn't want to be in that environment any longer because I saw what it produced. So I saw it produce very miserable, uh, low achieving people. And I was like, I know there's more for me out there. I just had that realization uh, from a younger age and I was always very eager to leave. So I was supposed to go to art school um, when I you know, graduated high school and then the tuition was 20 grand and I was like, mm, yeah, better not. <laughs> Cause I was very fearful of debt because my mom raised me to be, have that scarcity, scarcity mindset. Yeah. So that was probably like my biggest hurdle in life was to overcome that limiting belief. And it's still consistent work every day. I relate to that so hard. Mm -hmm. I have such, yes, it's it's a, such a tricky thing to navigate to because like you said, it it continues in, in certain forms. It doesn't really ever go away a hundred percent. So you have to like retrain your brain to mm -hmm. think about things different ways in order for you to like really get rid of that limiting belief. Yeah, that was um, that was a tough one for me. So I decided one day I was working at this really crappy bar and grill and um, I wasn't saving any money because <laughs> like, how can you making like six dollars an hour in Ohio and Marine Corps recruiters walked in to have lunch and, you know, I was shooting the shit with them. And then eventually I was just like, this feels like a gut instinct that I should do this. And never in my life did I ever think that I was going to join the military. I thought that was like the ho most horrible idea ever growing up. But in that moment, I was like, this is what I need to do. You're like, get me the fuck out of here. Just get me out of here. <laughs> I was like, I can't run a mile and a half straight, but get me out of here. <laughs> I will figure it out. <laughs> that, like every Saturday they would have us like meet up and like do these like things where like, if we had to do like pull-ups and all this like hardcore training and stuff like in the rain and all this crazy stuff. And I was like, man, this is hard. Like I am out of breath. Cause all I was doing was smoking weed and drinking all the time. Yeah, so, so you were like not physically just not, not ready. No. I was not ready yeah. but I was like on a mission to do it and by the end I was running really good you know I got my run like pretty solid and I could do like a dead or I could do the chin up thing hold it for like 60 <laughs> seconds or whatever I was like I'm good let's go so I joined the Marine Corps and I end up in uh California and then um this is where my later in life trauma starts to begin as well so before, when I was younger, like this is another reason why I joined the military in the first place was because I wanted to shape myself into somebody that was stronger and harder and, and um, that wasn't weak because in my childhood, my dad always told me I was weak. And like I remember just, you know, telling him I was going to go on a mud run or whatever. And he laughed in my face and told me you never ran a mile in your life. Like and he would always make fun of my body. And I was very um, I, I, I loved myself to a degree. But I guess the love is what the love for myself inspired the discipline. The love for myself inspired me to want more and do better. So, yeah, anyway, back to me joining the military where this later in life trauma came from, which I think I had actually called in this individual based on the trauma that I suffered with my dad. 
so, oh, it's so interesting when you start looking back on like I the <laughs> like connections. the connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was always very attracted to very toxic individuals and very aggressive people and very, um, I guess, mentally abusive because that's what I experienced growing up. And that was what was safe. So I end up dating this guy and um, everything's fine, of course, at the beginning, because, you know, the whole love bombing thing that narcissists do. And it was always me trying to get back to point A, where the relationship was at the beginning, where he was funny, he was nice and he was loving. And it just turned into this massive, um, just it was just mentally abusive all the time. I remember it getting to a point where I was laying underneath the truck because I was a motor team mechanic in the Marine Corps. And I was just holding a wrench. I just remember this so vividly and just like, like just wanting to scream and cry and just like the tears just rolling down my face because he would harass me all day long, accuse me of cheating. He was cheating and um, just threatened me all the time, you know? And that was very traumatizing in itself, um, dealing with that. And then he ended up getting out of the military, um, somehow manipulated me into marrying him. And then after that, he got physically abusive, like busted my lip once, made me lie to my whole platoon and the people in charge of me. And at that point I was like, okay, now it's, you know, this isn't safe for me. And I learned what a narcissist was in counseling because he made me go to counseling. And the counselor slides a paper over to me and says, what characteristics here uh, seem, you know, about correct, you know, about your husband? And I was like, did you interview him and pull these? Yeah, you're <laughs> like, this is really spot on. Yeah, <laughs> very like, specific to the T. I was like, what is going on? And she was like, these are narcissistic traits. Like he probably endured like some kind of trauma that um, made him have this personality disorder. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense because his dad was very abusive to him, like lock him in a closet, do all kinds mm. of crazy stuff. And he had bad abandonment issues. And I think that's a core wound for these people oh, yeah. that have narcissism. So um, I do have compassion for him because um, I just, I think hating him hurts me more anyway. And he's also already in a lot of pain. You know, hurt people, hurt people. Everybody knows that term. Um, but I, I wish him well. But at that time, he was just, he was projecting a lot of his pain onto me. And obviously, that wasn't healthy for me. So I eventually got a restraining order from him. And uh, that was a huge mess. It honestly, uh, quite dampened my reputation in the Marine Corps. I was highly respected up until about that point. When I was going through all that stress, I started to perform very poorly at my job. I lost my billet um, because I was just under a lot of stress. I was like constantly being bombarded with his threats. So I think anybody could relate to that. Like if you're um, being harassed like that, you're not gonna be able to perform very well. But um, with the military's mentality, is like perception is reality kind of thing and they think that oh if you're not doing well you're just being lazy and um if you're married you know you should work it out whatever they're just very like cold when it comes to that stuff and it was very backwards to me because they push this oh we're a family this whole narrative that you know we're all together we rely on each other and that just wasn't the case for when that thing actually came up when i actually did need support i couldn't talk to anybody about it so um, that makes it even more difficult too. Cause it's like, where do you where do you lean on? You know? Yeah, and um, he had also isolated me from everyone, so I really didn't have anyone to like tell when I was going through that. 
So that was tough for sure. Yeah, and it's hard because it's very like textbook when you look at the pattern of what happens in a narcissistic relationship, friendship, you know, just any kind of relationship you have with these kinds of people. And um, what you had mentioned is so important too about having compassion for people. And I think you it's hard in the moment because when you're getting any kind of abuse, it's not right, right? Mm -hmm. But like after the fact, during your healing process, you can recognize where things come from. And the letting go and the forgiveness aspect of it really comes when you can kind of understand where that projection comes from. And you step out of victim mentality and you understand mm -hmm. that it isn't about you. But the hardest thing is undoing all of that because in the moment of that abuse, they make you feel like it is about you. They make you feel like everything that is happening is because of you. And all of the belittling, the demeaning, the mental, sometimes physical and emotional abuse that happens really does make you feel like you're the problem. And that's really, really hard to see when you're in it. But once you're out of it and you can recognize that, I think that's when like the healing process comes. And I can only say that now I in the moment of any abuse I ever went through, I would have never been able to say that. But that mm -hmm. that comes down the road. So it's really nice when you can kind of like look back on it and now further share your journey with other people who might be experiencing it because it is really hard, but you do recognize that hurt people do hurt people. That's not just like some little thing that's just said that is so accurate and that pain is projected and, you know, and carried forward. So it is nice that you can, you can see that and know it wasn't about you, but it takes time. Yeah, it definitely, it's a journey for sure. And I think that reflecting and then integrating that lesson that you, you know, learned. Well, I think we all come here to learn these lessons or maybe mm -hmm. even repay karmic debt. I think when you reflect on those things, then you just you slowly become the best version of yourself. Yeah, and that's, that's what I'm trying to do is what I'm trying to be. And you're breaking to, the cycle. Exactly. And like I had taken on a lot of generational trauma um, from even my grandma. Um, I saw How would you explain that to somebody who doesn't know what that is? Okay. <laughs> I feel like, let me buckle in real let fast. Let me break it down. <laughs> so with generational trauma, they've actually proven this um, scientifically with um, studies on lab rat mice. So they did this study where they took mice. I'm not, don't, don't verbatim with this um, or don't quote me. But they took these mice and they basically scared the crap out of them whenever they saw maybe the color red. And they they did that over and over again until they instilled this fear in these mice. Those mice um, procreated and they had that fear down three generations. That's without a lot. ever without ever like reintroducing that fear. They just showed the color red and it was scared automatically. It already had that nervous system response. So that just goes to show you that before you conceive, before you have kids, people make sure that you heal and that you cleanse your body because that stuff gets coded into the DNA and it gets passed down and it can get passed down several generations. And I do believe firmly that that's why we have a mixture of very good people, a lot of healers here, but we also have a lot of very toxic people and a, a lot of very unhealthy people. Mm -hmm. And it's because we're not taking care of ourselves before we uh, conceive children and we're passing all of this damaged DNA down and all of these fears and all of these limiting beliefs down to our offspring. I was even talking to my older sister and she was talking about my niece who's three and she was saying how we don't understand why she's so fearful of getting in trouble 
Um, we've never scolded her or hit her or anything. And I'm like, our dad scolded the crap out of us, scared the crap out of us. When we were getting in trouble, he overly disciplined us. Mm -hmm. um, so you pass that fear down to your daughter because you didn't heal it. And it just keeps and going. Still, and and going, it's going to continue going. to go. And I don't know. It's just um, it's a sad thing to see. But also it's it's very interesting to study that at the same time um, and and see that it's not always so black and white with in terms of like health and mental health. It's not always so um, simple. And it, our pain can come from other sources. Yeah, and it takes you um, deciding to make that deep dive into understanding like why you are the way you are. Mm -hmm. And that is the conscious side of like the collective of people who want to heal and want to be better and want to take that deeper look underneath all of that. Because like you said, it isn't black and white. We're like, oh, this is just the way I am. And it's, well, yeah, but there's a reason you are the way you are and it might be deeper rooted than you think. And mm -hmm. there are ways to you know, make yourself better. So it is It is nice to see that there is a larger demographic of people who want to heal themselves and others and, you know, share their experiences. So we just like become and evolve better and not just so toxic. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I, I think it's really interesting. I think you have to be interested in looking into it all or it might just seem like it's all a bunch of just like, you know, woo woo, woo, woo. yeah, woo. kind of crap, and it's not. Um, so explaining it in this way, I think, is easier for people to digest. It's not just like a spiritual thing, and we're doing all the trauma work and all the meditation and you know introspective shit. It's actually like really, really important, and it's um, it's really important for your mental health, especially with how much crap we absorb at this point, just even on social media alone. Like we're ingraining so much toxicity in our bodies that it is really important to like do that introspective work. Yeah, and I guess coming from someone who used to be a little toxic, who used to be atheist, I think it's a very ignorant you statement. You were? I was an atheist, hardcore, until no, I was no 23. Shit. Yes, and I'm 28 now. I did not know that. Yeah, I was atheist. I like completely wrote off everything because my dad, whom was extremely mentally abusive and physically abusive as well, he, was a born again Christian, extremely religious, lived lived by the book. And I saw that, I was like, if this book that he lives by has created a man like this, that You're like, I want nothing he probably to do told me he loved me twice in my life and it felt so ingenuine. Mm. Like he treated me so differently than my other two sisters too. And I felt like Cinderella, it was weird. I just didn't understand why he criticized me so much but didn't do that to them too. Um, but now that I'm looking back and seeing that, it was because I was so like outgoing and very different from them too. He was trying to like dampen my light. He was trying to like keep me down so that I didn't, he was narcissistic. Yeah, that that is like one of the, I feel like one of the characteristics of those kinds of people that give me that like ick feeling so mm -hmm. bad because they just, they shove that down, that powerful, bright light about people down so much because they can't stand it mm -hmm. because it's so opposite of what they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're Ugh, dark. God, it gives me Their soul me is dark. Yeah. And it, it was just crazy, me, crazy to me because I was like, isn't this, I didn't really read the Bible, but I was like, I'm pretty sure these teachings are just about love. Right. It's just about love. And like, I was so confused. I was like, if I'm your daughter, shouldn't you love me and show me love? And that's why I completely, I was just like, it doesn't make sense that this person that's supposed to be super religious and gonna go to heaven 
is is like this. Yeah, I'm like, okay, religion is a scam. <laughs> so I didn't look into it at all. And then I didn't I didn't even read until I was like 23. And then I was like, whoa, this information is insane. And I just went down every rabbit hole and I just started learning like crazy and read every day and learned about spirituality, manifestation, the universal laws. So that's basically what I live by now. I'm not religious. I do think that Jesus existed at some point in time. I think he came here to show us what real love is and just to connect and be better people. Because at the time when he existed, there was a lot of pain and a lot of suffering mm -hmm. going on in the world. There was a lot of, it was pretty dark in the world and he needed to come at that time. Um, but yeah, I went down so many rabbit holes and uh, learned so mm -hmm. much about myself and about the world and the way it works. And I feel like once you stop having opinions about things you know nothing about, that's when your life really begins. And that's when you can really expand and grow as a person because now you're open and now you're able to see things outside of your typical scope. Yeah, you've taken your blinders off. Yeah, totally. Like willingly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and. That's just that's just how I've become the person I am now is being open minded and um, willing to accept beliefs that are outside of, you know, what's been imprinted on me. Essentially, right. do you think that when you see people um, or observe people who are really rigid in their ways, it's because they have not been taught to see outside the box yet? Because that's how I mean, that's how I see it when I see this really, really, really just like hardcore, like right wing, left wing or just like you know, super religious people who are like by the book so hard that they can't even understand that there's anything outside of it. I feel like it's just been imprinted on them so hard that they don't have the ability to see outside of it. Um, you know, it's okay to, to have your belief systems that are like really, let's say one way or the other, but you should be able to be open-minded enough to sit and have a conversation with somebody and not have to like beat them down because they don't believe the same things you believe, right? We can disagree and be friends. Right. We can I disagree mean, and be friends still. You would think, you would think that, mo but it's not yeah. like that. It's unfortunate, but do, I, do you think that it's just because that it's been so imprinted in them so hard from their generations that it's, they haven't unlocked that ability to, to sit down and be like, tell me about why you believe what you believe. And I might not be able to agree with you, but I can have a conversation. Yeah, and I think um, it would allow people to actually meet in the middle. Yeah, and to to connect better. It's oh just, yeah, it's it basically turns off the connection immediately when it's like, oh, you're not pro uh, Biden or pro Trump, and it's like this guy automatically is an idiot. You know what I mean? You just shut down any form yeah. of us being able to have a conversation. Yeah. like that yeah. by being so rigid. Yeah. I agree. That's tough. Mm -hmm. So what, so, okay. So you shut down Christianity, adopted atheism. So wild. So what happened after that? I was just living my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just going through the motions. And I, I'll be honest with you when, I think when you don't have any faith at all, mm. life is kind of empty. It's yeah. Really empty. That's really a good point. Yeah. My life feels so much fuller, so much more beautiful. I respect and appreciate a lot more things that are just natural in life, just like a tree. Like there's some trees that I'm just like, that's my favorite tree. Yeah. That tree. I, I'm, so, well, I'm glad you said that because I feel so silly when, because I've, I've adopted this mentality too. And I, it did make me more grounded and appreciative when I started 
having faith again. Um, I have my own story of like where I kind of like veered off of, of faith and a belief system in general and became a very lost little puppy in this world and then fell into really toxic environments and relationships and because I lost sight of I lost sight of that and you're right when you when you do lose sight of it it becomes a really empty place to exist um, and when I got it back I started really having appreciation for very small things that I never thought I'd have appreciation for and it makes you feel very connected again mm -hmm. and yeah. that in itself um, it relieves a lot of anxiety it relieves a lot of depression um, so I would encourage people to really find something to believe in that gives them you know hope um, whatever that is yeah I would say I was depressed most of my life because of just the situation I was in it was very chaotic dense energy very low mm -hmm. vibe energy um, and I had, you know, it came, it ebbed and flowed with the depression. And then uh, later in life is when I actually developed anxiety. And I had never really experienced anxiety in my life up until probably after my uh, husband, after the, all the harassment. Weird, same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, and what then, did you, what, what came up for you that when your anxiety started that you're like, shit, I've never experienced this before? I didn't even know it was anxiety. Yeah. I just thought I was just constantly like like worried like just frazzled like stressed mm -hmm. and then I don't know how I learned about like what I actually had I think it was like a VI diagnosis or whatever when I went to like mental health and um ever since that realization I was like dang I'm gonna have to figure out how to manage this because I am a business owner and I cannot can't live function with, like this no I can't function like this it's really hard to get anything done um so I actually started um, uh, experimenting with mushrooms at that point in order to, you know, deal with the anxiety and the depression because um, I had taken, you know, large doses of mushrooms before uh, just for fun, you know, like festivals and stuff. But um, I had never actually microdosed mushrooms and they kept trying to prescribe me all of these. What is it like? Is it benzos or whatever? Um, like, like antidepressants. Yeah, yeah like antidepressants and like anti-anxiety medications and I was like knowing what I know with pharmaceutical drugs I'm like well ain't nothing here doesn't have a side effect yeah so I'm like I'm not trying to do that and I feel like it would be kind of against like what I live by by right. taking these meds and you're like holistic practices and exactly everything. yeah I was like there's a natural way yeah there's gotta be there's gotta be <laughs> so I started experimenting and then like um started listening to like Paul Stamets and like kind of formulated my own little microdose uh, with other adaptogenic mushrooms and um, I didn't mention this but I actually uh, along with the anxiety and the depression I had from that uh, past relationship and all of I had another relationship uh, after that the man that I was in love with that failed so I had even more anxiety <laughs> you're like fuck everything <laughs> yeah and then um, didn't date anybody for a while I get assaulted sexually assaulted and um, I had like PTSD from that and I couldn't even go, because I'm an avid gym goer, I do, you know, fitness competitions and stuff. And I couldn't even go to the gym. Like if a guy would look at me, it felt like he was like- Praying on you? Yeah, that's what it felt like. And I would just see red and I would just have to leave the gym. And it was, it would go on for months on end. And that's when I started the microdosing. It was like after that, I was like, okay, this is getting to be too much. There was like so much stuff like piling up. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna try this. and. I don't have a single trigger. 
I don't think that way anymore in the gym, which it used to overcome me. Yeah, I, um, I'm really sorry you went through that. Um, I just, I relate to that journey so much because microdosing is what got me out of my complex post-traumatic stress. I didn't even know what complex post-traumatic stress disorder was. I just assumed PTSD, I assume, I, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I correlated that with post-military, post-car accident, post really bad, quote unquote, abuse. I, and because I minimize my shit so much, it's just what I do, so how I, this is how I coped my entire life by minimizing things. I, if I didn't make it a big deal, it wasn't a big deal in my head. And I could just like, you know, make it smaller, make it smaller, make you're it smaller. You're strong, you're strong, you're strong. Yeah, but I never understood how to process. And so, and that's the way I grew up a little bit um, with my own stuff that I went through and just a lot of loss. Um, and then wound up attracting somebody in my life who highlighted so much abandonment for me it was insane and that became my like narcissistic abuse that I went through when I finally got to a therapist they told me the same thing mm -hmm. like can you tell me you know what it feels like all the th same kinds of things and then he'd be like you know what this is and kind of provide me all this literature and I'm like wow is this what I'm really going through and then you know fast forward I won't make this story too long but I got out of that relationship and started trying to like handle all of these things and I got to the point where I'm like Life's getting too much. I can't be in the gym without crying. I can't even walk in there without having anxiety because my life was so centered around my relationship, which was very big in the fitness industry. So a lot of things were triggers for me. And I'm like, this is this is so fucked up that I can't even go have a workout without busting into tears. Um, I'm having social anxiety. There were so many things just piling, piling, piling. And I didn't want to get on prescription drugs. I, I just I just couldn't get myself to do it. And a friend of mine um, at the time was like, you really should try microdosing. And I was so in a misunderstanding of like what the holistic practices were with mushrooms, because I just also associated that to like recreational uses. So I started doing like a, a dive into understanding what that could do. And it changed everything. So I always encourage people to do their own research, obviously, and to like really look into it. But I know you also were the second person after this first person that introduced me to provide me with a lot of information onto like what it could do, why the properties that it has and, you know. Yeah. So how I like to explain how mushrooms work in the brain, it's kind of like you're on this one-way dirt road. It's gravel. It's shitty. And that's the road that you take to get to work every single day. You start to take mushrooms. The mushrooms act like road engineers. Now they're suddenly a four lane highway. But that little dirt road is still off to the side. You can still choose to take that route. But now you have four other options. You can choose the route of thinking, you know, the toxic thought pattern. That's the cycle right there, that one track mind, that one mm -hmm. track mind. So you can choose to continue to think like that, or you can be like, you know what? I can actually choose to be happy today and I can have another option. I can have another emotion be at the forefront instead of this toxic, negative, anxious, nasty feeling that I'm yeah, feeling all the time. Yeah, it's opening up more pathways. Exactly. It's like, but until you take the mushrooms, it's like you can't see it. You have your blinders on. Mm -hmm. and it's resistance. Yeah, but that's another thing that I like to tell people as well is with the microdosing, it's not like a pharmaceutical drug. It's not going to band-aid your symptoms. It's going to offer you new options. You have offer. To, 
offer. It's like a very good keyword because it's, wisdom. it's yeah. Yeah. It's, if you don't listen to the wisdom, it's like if you were to hire me as a health coach and I'm like, here's your diet plan. Here's the supplements you need to take. And you're like, okay. And then you continue to eat hot dogs and you don't buy any of the supplements. What result do you think you're going to get? And that's not on your coach. That's on you. That's on you. It's you have to have, you have to take the inspired action. If you don't take the inspired action, nothing's going to change. It's ultimately up to you at the end of the day. But it, it is very, it is a very good teacher. Yeah. Extremely good teacher if you're willing to learn. Yeah. And it's a good point too, because when you think about like pharmaceutical drugs, you're taking an antidepressant or anti-anxiety mm-hmm. medication, it does act like a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. It minimizes your symptoms for a minute. It suppresses all of that and it kind of like numbs you mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. and it might make you feel a little bit better, but it's really not fixing the problem. No, it's not root the, cause. Right. And the problem is going to get fixed by identifying root cause, but you taking the action to kind of make that better for yourself. And what I found by microdosing was it gave me, like you said, the wisdom to like see things from a different perspective. But then I had to confidently take the action to knowing that I had the ability to make things better for myself. But that was also provided with the, like, how do I say that? God, it's so hard to explain sometimes, but the perspective shifts, right? Like I didn't have those, uh, that ability to have that perspective shift without it, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it or it was, it was there, but it was out of reach. Like I could, yeah, that's actually probably a better way to explain it because it wasn't like it just popped up out of nowhere. I could see that I wanted better for myself or could have better or could feel better. But for some reason I was like, I could stick my hand out and like almost touch it, but I could never get to it. Mm-hmm. But this was like allowing myself to do that. That's probably a better road way engineer. Of it. Yeah. Build a new road for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about it. There's, there's just a beautiful thing. Like, and even learning more about mycelium, if you ever get the chance, just look at Paul Stamets information him and his interviews he's got so much knowledge about mushrooms and just how they can just help us they were placed here intentionally i think by the aliens i'm i'll I'll believe it yeah i'll buy into that (laughs) the more see okay that's another thing with like with when people say crazy stuff stop just labeling them crazy Take a deep dive and look into it. Yeah. Take a deep, because like the way that the world is ran right now, if you knew the true story and you hadn't looked into it at all, you'd be like, that is a crazy person. That Liter- person is doing literally. meth. <laughs> <laughs> that person is doing meth <laughs> and crack cocaine. Um, because if you don't know anything about it and you're completely ignorant, it's going to sound blasphemous. Absolutely. But the more you know, the more you know. Yeah, but that also <laughs> requires that open-minded like perspective. Yeah, and because if you're not, you're just, yeah, fearlessness, people. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. Like, well, if no, you're fearful you, of the information, like nobody wants to. And this is this is dark, but nobody wants to hear the words that the world is ran by pedophiles. Nobody wants to think that that is true. I don't want to believe that's true. Nobody wants to believe it's, it's cognitive true. dissonance. Yes, but it it's a fact. Yeah, unfortunately. And like I said, nobody wants to spend, you know, late night scrolling on their phone, looking at that kind of information because it's heavy. It's heavy. And people are more likely to put their head under the sand to practice that cognitive dissonance. Like, I'm just going to pretend nothing's going on because it's easier to digest than it is to really look at what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hang out with this group over here that just watches football and I don't know, watches CNN all day. 
because that's what the majority of everybody is doing. Right. I don't get that. Why Why grow? You can watch football. I'm not saying I'm not anti-football, but I'm saying I'm anti-distracting yourself all the time. Yeah. Well, that's what we're taught to do, though. You know what I mean? We're, we're taught to do that. We're taught to just, like, bury things, mm -hmm. which is really, it's really hard. But that's another thing that gets imprinted on you from, like, um, our generations of our parents. A lot of our parents did that. Wake up, turn on the news. Watch mm -hmm. the news when you get home from work. Like, it's co it's constantly on, and you're not even, like, you, oh, how do I say this? Like, if I woke up every single day and popped on CNN, and that was the first thing that was in my head every single day, and then I went to my nine to five and I came home and I put it on again to get all the updates and to stay in tune, but this is the only thing I'm watching. Whatever's on that channel, you are absorbing every single day and not questioning what's on that channel. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but to, for some reason that doesn't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But when that's how you've grown up, like generationally, that's just what you're used to. Yeah. So a lot of people just get on this pattern of, of doing what they're doing every single day and not taking the time to like look what's underneath all of it. Yeah, the blind faith. Yeah, it's, it's, gonna it's tough. Itcha. Yeah, and that, I mean, that can be as heavy as what's going on in the world like that or just even what's going on in your own relationship. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's when I started Fearless was around that time that I was so brainwashed for certain things, not necessarily what's like going on in politics or what's going on in the, the dark fucking air of the world right now. But in my, I was so stuck in my own bubble and so fearful. And when you live in fear, you don't take those steps to like get outside the norm. Um, but going back to what you were saying too, with like looking at people and labeling, labeling them as crazy just because they've like taken a step to look outside the box. Um, that's a, how do you, how would you deal with, how do you deal with that when people come to you and maybe think about what you're doing and kind of question you? That they question me? Yeah. Like about my beliefs and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I try to reserve my beliefs and my opinions and only state facts. Yeah. I'm only stating facts. And if I'm talking to somebody that can't even handle facts, then that's okay. Have a great day. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that works out for you in, yeah. the, long, in the long run. Yeah, and when you uh, respond like that too, it takes that it's it's very calming too. She's like, I don't really need to prove I, myself yeah. to you. I don't need you to believe what I believe, but it would be nice if you did start to question. You know, like all I can do is plant seeds, but it would be great if somebody actually took that seed and started to run with it because, like, I would really like to. I would prefer to be surrounded by people that are intelligent, that are questioning, that are. Curious, um, curious, and that I don't know that just have like a good head on their shoulders and aren't gonna turn me into the Nazis when <laughs> when, when that day comes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was That's scary when you started um, kind of experimenting with mushrooms? Was that when you got into holistic health, or were you already kind of on that path? So I started experimenting with mushrooms as soon as I got out of the military. So that was about four years ago. Okay, actually, I lied. I grew mushrooms for the first time when I was nineteen. In my mom's dining room. <laughs> I went and got the stuff from Home Depot, put it in like this bin, made the mycelium cakes. I did the whole thing. And then um, I grew them. Yeah. So I only grew like one batch or whatever, but that obviously stopped while I was in. And then I got out, started uh, going to festivals a lot when I got out. And it, I was using it recreation, recreationally um, and only, only doing like high doses. So I was really into that. Like but full send. Yeah, full send. <laughs> I, would, I just wanted to experience because I feel like when you're in the military, you lose your sense of self 
and you lose your identity and your individuality. And right. that was a big driver of why I got out in the first place anyway, is because number one, it wasn't the family that I thought it would be. And then number two is like, I just, I'm a very eccentric person and I like to wear my wing eyeliner and my nails and like do all the girly things and just be a woman and be an individual. And I was just very excited to reconnect with myself again. And so I experimented with, um, mega dosing mushrooms quite a bit <laughs> and all the music festivals and all the things and I just yeah I'm all about living my life to the absolute fullest and not missing any opportunity um like not even a few weeks ago I did um some acting and <laughs> it was pretty interesting I was like this giant pink I look like a piece of um, bubble gum. <laughs> I look like a piece of bubble gum. It was a very, it was a very niche, some niche acting I did. Um, <laughs> but it was fun, and it was like now I can look back on that and be like, yeah, like you had that experience. You know, I was a bimbo balloon yeah, that's once. So funny. I was like, that's that's great. I think that's great. <laughs> I think people should do that. I think you should be weird. Say, you should be weird. And say yes to more things. Say yes more to more experiences things. too. Yeah, and don't don't say. And no that's to how things. I met you. Jim was like, I need somebody on set for this Call of Duty shoot. And I was like, I've never, like, never acted, never been on screen like that. And I was like, well, I can try and figure it out. I didn't know that was your first time. That was my first time. Yeah. And then I get there and they put me in full fucking combat gear and hand me a $30,000 gun. And they're like, you look great. Thank you. (laughs) But it was like one of those things that my fear could have gotten in the way. I mean, like, I can't do this. Who am I to do this? I've Who never am been I a to chef before. host a podcast? Like, but those saying yes to more things grants you that opportunity mm-hmm. to get a little weird and like mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, and like live, just fucking live. I'm gonna be 80 years old, sitting in my rocking chair, telling the most blasphemous stories that I can possibly tell. Because like, I'm I've already but that's got so good. I've already got experiences stacked right yeah. now. Can you imagine <laughs> what's gonna happen over the next like 40 years? I Crazy. saw this. Um, this video on TikTok one day with this audio that was like, if you imagine your life as a movie and you're sitting down to watch a movie and someone's going to watch the movie of your life, what do you want that like trailer to look like? Like mine's going to be crazy. I Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, the first thing I thought of was like, I want all of these crazy wild experiences and all of these, all of these wins, but also all of these losses to be able to be lo- looked at as this big movie trailer that's exciting and I can finish it and be proud of it. And I don't really want to feel like I missed out on anything because that is so sad to me that Mm -hmm. somebody could go through life and not have experiences. And you, you know, there are certain things that I don't think that you're in control of. There's, you know, power bigger than you, but you have the ability to put more things into your life, but you have to take that action to like choose that pathway, get off the fucking gravel dirt road and take the freeway, you know, but that was a big, that was a big thing for me. A big realization I had when I was younger was that I watched my mom limit herself by her fears. Like she's afraid to drive on a four lane highway kind of thing. Like never flew in an airplane, nothing like that. And I watched her growing up and I was like, dang, I was like, I'm noticing that her fears are why she's in the position she's in. Mm -hmm. And I was like, everything I'm scared of, I'm just going to do it. Like, you think I was not scared at all to join the freaking Marine Corps? Oh, I'm sure. I went from being a super timid waitress living in the middle of nowhere. And like, I've never been authoritative in my life. 
And that's what I wanted. That's what I desired. But I was like, I'm just going to do it. You know, if I fail, I fail. It's whatever. But fail forward. Yeah, fail forward. Exactly. Not in the same place I've always been, like, because I refused to do that. Yeah. I was like, I've, if I want out of this situation, something massive has to change. And it starts with me. Yeah. Not even just my environment. I mean, that was great, too, that I got to leave and, you know, experience a completely different state. Um, and not have to, you know, like save up a bunch of money and do it like the really hard way. I feel like both both ways were hard, but for me that was a little bit, I guess, easier just getting shipped out there. But yeah. So now with your approach to holistic health and that you actually, you know, take clients and have a full blown business, um, what is your typical client like? Yeah, so I have two different kinds of clients. So a particular group would be online training clients, training and diet clients. So those individuals, I put them on a program that I use on Trainerize. And so it's very leg focused. So um, that's kind of my niche is building legs and glutes. Um, just because that's what I know, that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. And I'll, I'll program them uh, a diet and training program specific to them. And their diet is very, it's, it's meant to be sustainable and it's more for like lifestyle clients. So I don't do competition prep because um, I just personally don't think it's very healthy. Yeah. Um, so I uh, give them a supplement guide. Um, the ones that I use specifically, I use Cellcor supplements and then um, a diet plan, which is, you know, mostly organic whole foods. I make it super easy. It's very balanced. It's not super strict or hard to stick to. It's Lifestyle. lifestyle and that's so important to like highlight too because most clients are like that like not everyone needs to step on a stage and mm -hmm. the balance of finding something that is sustainable long term and that you can actually stick to and not feel so deprived where it becomes something that you can't actually like do day to day. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's when people really lose track of being able to have a healthy lifestyle because they're like, I, I don't want to diet. And because their idea of diet is this super strict, restricted plan that is not sustainable. And then they fail. They just and then completely you fail. throw it out the window. And then you think you're not capable of a lot of things because you quote unquote fail. But in reality, you might have actually had something that's just like mm -hmm. not enough. Yeah. And I've definitely learned a lot over the years, too, is like. Because how I used to do my programming years ago was um, it was kind of like that where it was like, the, these are your meals, this is what you're eating, and this is, this is the calories that you're hitting, and I would have them track everything. And that's just not sustainable for a lot of people. Um, also, sometimes six meals a day isn't sustainable for a lot of people. Sometimes, you know, people have kids. Yeah, sometimes it's not, it's not cookie cutter. It doesn't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work for everybody. So I, I always ask them, you know, what's your routine like? What's your schedule like? I try to make it as adaptable to their current life and routine as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, what I also do, my other subset of clients would be my detox clients. And what I do with them is I help cleanse their body from the toxins that they've accumulated over the years. So if you follow me on Instagram, I talk a lot about um, the poisons that are in our food, our air and our water. It's not being regulated properly by the FDA. I mean, for instance, I just recently read a study that um, in, in the European Union, they only allow 0.1 parts per billion of glyphosate in their tap water and in their food. The United States allows 700 parts per billion of glyphosate just in our tap water. And then they just tested a box of Cheerios for one serving, had 1,125 parts per billion 
of glyphosate when harm to health and humans starts at point one. So we're giving these Cheerios, these heart healthy Cheerios to our toddler children as like their intro food. I remember eating that on my little tray, right? Barely being able to walk. Like we're literally poisoning like our youth. And it's, it's absolutely insane. And there is a connection between glyphosate and autism as well. That's wild. It is wild. There's a connection, clear connection. So with your clients, what is your detoxification process like? Okay, so it's an eight-week system. So I cleanse the body uh, based on the organs. So each organ, depending on how toxic that individual is, I'll spend more time on that one. Say I have a client that's been constipated for two full weeks. I will spend more time on that colon portion of the cleanse. And that is the first one because that's our biggest detoxification organ. If we're not pooping daily, um, you're not excreting the toxins that you're accumulating. That's how you get rid of toxins. That's one way. Um, so I do colon and then I do kidney, liver and gallbladder. And then I do the lymphatic system and then I do parasites and then heavy metals. So I wait to do parasites and heavy metals to the end because I wanna make sure working right, your liver's working right, your gallbladder's producing bile. If you don't have a gallbladder, we're taking you know bile salts or tutka, um, you know, supplements specific to that individual. I have a lot of Crohn's uh, patients. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of people with ulcerative colitis. Um, I just had one client tell me he's got ulcerative colitis and he was saying that even on his colon portion, it was the first part of his cleanse, um, he has severe allergies, wouldn't be able to go outside during pollinating season without getting like super itchy and red or whatever. And he was out walking in a park and he was like, holy crap, I don't even have any allergic reactions. And it was because of the supplements I had him on was breaking down the biofilms in his nasal cavity, which was giving him the allergies. See, a lot of people think that, oh, I just have allergies. I just have these things. No, You've got something going wrong inside your body. Maybe you've got bugs that are creating biofilms, which is parasites or bacteria. That's so gross to think about. I know. <laughs> but like, I think over 90% of people have them. And when I was doing my routine parasite cleansing, I was uh, eliminating worms like this, mucoid plaque, like, girl. It That's was intense. So fucking gross. It was gross. Mm -hmm. And I, I have another, um, I have like a piece of content I'm going to post soon, but... <laughs> It's like when my uh, clients send me um, pictures of their parasites or they're like telling me like um, how like regular they are. I'm like, oh, yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's my shit right there. <laughs> like I get excited. I'm just like, yay, you know, you're getting back to how you should be. Yeah. And it's just um, I'm glad that I chose this work because, number one, each individual is always going to be different. So it's always going to be challenging. It's always going to be interesting. And I'm kind of filling that gap between where doctors are failing. Um, you know, even gastroenterologists, uh, I'm totally said that wrong, but, um, when people go to their gut doctor or their poop doctor, they are not actually helping these people. They give them a colonoscopy, they charge them thousands of dollars to do all these tests, all these stool tests. And they, you know, they like, I don't know, give them some kind of medication or like a bowel mover. And it's not the cause of why they're backed up. Parasites can cause a, a backup in your colon as well because they don't want your poop to leave because it's their they're, home. Yeah. They're parasites. They're feeding off of you. So And what do the parasites come from? They come from food, they come from environment. It's a bunch of different things. Yeah. So even if you have a dog, a cat, there's certain um a specific parasite, can't think of it right now, but it comes from a cat um and a good percentage of people have that. Um uh, it could come from sushi and raw fish, raw meat, um your tap water, 
fruits and vegetables, especially like lettuces and stuff. Um, so I don't think it's avoidable. I still eat sushi. But what I do is I just do routine parasite cleanses and I stay on top of my binders, which binders are basically uh, compounds uh, that you can find naturally in foods like chlorella, cilantro, um, things like that, um, that can bind to toxins, um, specifically like lead, mercury, aluminum, um, all of those things. So I just stay on top of it. I make sure I take my minerals, which people, I don't think they understand the importance of minerals. Um, because that right there will actually allow you to detoxify. Your body cannot detoxify without minerals. It's like the gas you put in your car. You can't get to work without the gas. Your liver your can't detoxify and do that process. So like it needs to convert the toxin into a water soluble or a fat soluble molecule, molecule in order to pass it out. If not, then guess what? That toxin, they take it and it gets put into a fat cell. So why do you think there's so many people they have a shit ton of visceral fat. It's because their diet is laden with toxins. They're eating things like, I don't know, like Pop-Tarts, or even if they're eating healthy, they're eating foods that are riddled with glyphosate residues. I didn't notice a significant change in my health until I went like really, 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 really harped on being organic. And because I never really thought that it was like, I don't want to pay $4 for a freaking bell pepper. Yeah. I was like, that's just lame. <laughs> so honestly, I just eat less plant foods. I eat a lot of fruit that have like a big rind on it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the organic fruits that I eat would be like berries and stuff like that. Anything with a thin peel, buy organic. Please. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to audit my whole my whole yeah. thing at this point. I'm gonna raid your cupboards, I, girl. Well, it's crazy because like you think you know a lot, right? You think you know. This is back to being open-minded. You think you fucking know a lot until you meet somebody who knows something different than you, mm. and being open-minded to understanding all of those things is what's going to make you better inside and out obviously mm -hmm. so i'm a health coach i'm a fitness coach i think i know what's best but then i sit down with someone like you and i'm like i don't have any of this education mm -hmm. so you know collaborating and talking and having the conversations and being open-minded to hearing somebody who might know something better or just different than yourself is so important because mm -hmm. you know like you said people have probably have no idea what's going on inside of them they no. have no fucking idea majority don't and a lot of people are walking around in terrible condition. Yeah. Like I, I've got, you know, 20 people in their 20s. A lot of clients of mine are in their 20s and they have like the health score of like a 55 year old. That's fucking wild. I have one girl. She um, has chronic skin conditions, chronic IBS. Um, she can't eat without running to the bathroom, diarrhea and um, overweight. Uh, resistance to weight loss and her big issue was she lived in a house with mold for a really long time oh shit so um and that's a that's a toughie right there that was that's um that extends my detox process because um those mycotoxins are really hard to get out of your body um and they can cause so many different issues and that's where a lot of people will go to their doctor well i've got anxiety depression i can't lose weight blah 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 and then they give them these meds and they don't even think to question they just take it yeah they don't they don't know they just really mm -hmm. don't know this isn't a bash on doctors no whatsoever. because they think they're going to someone for help mm -hmm. and if someone they think can help them is like hey take this it'll fix you you're gonna take it mm -hmm. most of us would just take it right right because we think our doctors are the best i mean right. they went to school for eight years they should know but they're not continuing the education and i also don't think doctors realize where 
their education, uh, where it derives from, comes from a very sinister group of people that designed that education system. And it was designed in a way to keep patients and not to heal people ever. I mean, holistic. Just to keep, keep them where they're at. Holistic natural medicine was pretty much the standard uh, before the Rockefellers, right? And then they introduced the petroleum-based pharmaceutical drugs, which 99% of pharmaceutical drugs have petroleum products in it, which is an oil byproduct. Which should make which you question a lot. Rockefeller was an oil tycoon. Yeah, question things, people. Um, why do you think so many people are sick? Why do you think there's like like one in two people have a chronic disease or an autoimmune disorder? It's just insane. Our medical system is not designed to take care of people with chronic illness or inflammation for that matter. That's pretty much what I specialize in. Anything that's inflammatory, that's what I do. I help you, you know, get rid of that. Yeah, so and you shouldn't joints. be you shouldn't be walking around inflamed. No. You should not be walking around with bloating all of the time. Like it's not just normal to eat something and feel like, oh my God, my stomach is fucking hurting. I feel like I'm got like a little food baby all of the time. Like that's not normal. No, it's absolutely not normal. And I, I suffered with SIBO and IBS and chronic acne. I had very intense cystic acne um, all over my face. <laughs> and um, I didn't, you know, see improvements until I started changing, you know, obviously to organic and really doing the cleanses, doing the parasite cleanses. I noticed a big difference in my cognitive function and, um, yeah, my ability to think, uh, my joints, my back pain. I would get back spasms a lot. Mm. So I'd be really curious to have you do an analyzation on me too because I have like severe brain fog sometimes. Me too. It, yeah. yeah. Oh snap, <laughs> and girl. Yeah, and it's it's weird too because I feel like I take really good care of my health. Yeah. But there, I mean, I also work a lot. I have a really crazy job schedule. Radiation. So I, I, awesome. I love that for me. That? Well, like even being in the studio, I feel like I'm exposing myself to radiation. Yeah, and I mean, there's like a lot of things like you're like, huh? yeah, like the the TV. I mean, it's it's putting off some kind of you know frequency, you know, and you're coming in contact with that. It's not natural. Yeah, there's ways to protect yourself though. Yeah, for sure. I would love to take a deep dive into that. Yeah. Let's well, do thank it. you for sharing all the information. What we should do is have you analyze me, and we'll come back and talk. Oh, oh, oh we should I have sh like a whole film interview. Oh, Lord. and then we can just go in deep. Yeah. Now I'm scared to put my shit on blast, but it's fine. Um, let's, but yeah, yeah let's that'd be actually really fearless as fuck. We have to do this. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were fearless, girl. I should be. On honestly, it would it would be, it would be good of me to highlight myself too, because like I'm a great example to somebody who thinks that they're healthy. I compete. I've got my body in prime in prime condition most of the time. And when I'm off season, I feel like I can take care of myself really well. Mm -hmm. But then you propose this idea to me that there are things that could be underlying that are not having me perform at my highest level because of things that I would have not even thought about. Yeah. So that'd be really interesting. Yeah. So well, I have a supplement for you that yeah. you can take. Okay, that'll great. Help a lot. Okay, great. Yeah, well, we'll circle you. back to this. <laughs> Thank you so much. And if you guys have any questions for Miranda, please. Um, um, feel free to reach out to her and visit her Instagram. Like I said, she is a holistic coach um, and does a few other things that I do not do. So make sure to reach out to her with any questions. And then um, we'll circle back for next time. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we close this out? No, that's it. Um, you guys are always free to send me a DM or an email on my Instagram, Miranda Luna. And I would love to help you guys get out of pain, get out of inflammation, feel better, think better, be yeah. better. All the things. <laughs> All the <Yeah>. things. <laughs> so, yeah. Message All me. right. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time.